0: Well, good morning. It is such a privilege to be here with you today. My name is Megan Peterson. I had the joy of sharing this past school year as the interim middle school director, Calvary, and alongside Caitlin and Sue and the Next Gen team. I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're making space in your busy lives to join us here in the chapel in Golden Valley, or you're at the Minnetonka campus, or you're somewhere else in the world. We are so glad you're here, wherever you are, and that you can join us as we learn together more about who God is and how we follow him. One important aspect of following Jesus is celebrating communion, the meal that Jesus gave us to show his deep love for us. We'll be sharing this meal together at the end of our service today. So if you are online, I encourage you to pick up some crackers or bread and juice or wine so that you can fully participate in this meal at the end of our service. Well, during the message today, we are going to be talking about God's kingdom. And one way that we acknowledge that God is our king and participate in his kingdom is by giving back what he has so generously given to us. If you're visiting with us or checking things out online, thank you for simply being here. Don't feel any pressure to give, but if you did bring a gift, you can place it in the container at the back of your worship center, Um, and you can always give by going to calvary.org online or by mailing in your offering as well. Your gift to Calvary supports our mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we saw the direct impact of your gifts this week as kids, adults, and families participated in our Making Waves VBS, both in Golden Valley and in Minnetonka. Kids participated in singing, crafts, stories, and games that helped them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Each day they learned something new about God. They learned some things like God made people with a purpose. Jesus invited people to follow him. They learned that you can trust Jesus with their life. They learned about loving others the way that Jesus loves us and that God can help us change the world around us. Maybe you have memories of going to VBS at your church or a grandparent's church when you were little or maybe something similar like a Bible camp. The experiences that kids and adults have together during these weeks are invaluable in growing in one's relationship with Jesus, no matter how young or old you are. And it's a place where kids can experience joy and grace and love of Jesus through caring adults. One of our core values in the Next Gen ministry is that every person would know that they are loved, that they belong, and they are not alone. And weeks like VBS help create a foundation as kids connect with others. One of the incredible things is that it happened right here in our community. And similarly, Calvary also this week hosted a national night out event that was focused on building relationships with our neighbors right where we are. And at both campuses, people were able to gather and hang out together on a hot but beautiful evening and make connections. Well, this morning we are kicking off a new series called Staycation, and I'm really excited about it because it is encouraging us to be on mission for Jesus in our own communities. While mission trips are amazing, as many of our middle school students and high school students and adult leaders can attest, there is something special about the fact that we can stay in our daily places of influence and have a difference for Jesus in the world. Each week, we're gonna be encouraged and challenged to serve and love others right where we are. And this morning, we're gonna talk specifically about loving and serving kids in our community. A question we often talk about at Calvary was posed by Andy Stanley, a pastor in Georgia, and he asked this, what is the faith of the next generation worth? And our answer here at Calvary is everything. So if the faith of the next generation is really worth everything, we need everyone to be a part of investing in the next generation of knowing and loving Jesus. I've spent over 10 years of my career in kids and student ministry, and my full-time job these days is caring for our 20-month-old son, Luke, and we're expecting another baby in November. And I'm seeing what it looks like to help kids follow Jesus from a totally new lens. And we absolutely need parents to invest in the faith of their kids. But this is not just a message for parents actively raising kids. It's for single people, married people, retired people, empty nesters, for those who love kids and regularly spend time with them and for those of you who have never changed a diaper and don't care to, and it's also for the people who think it's admirable but also crazy that anyone would want to spend their career working with kids. This message is for all of us because as we follow Jesus, we are all called to invest in the lives of kids, It's gonna look different depending on our stage of life and our gifts, but each of us is placed in a position, placed in proximity to a child who needs an adult to show up in their lives. I want you to take a moment now to think about where you are today. How did you get to where you are? Was there an adult who showed up in your life who would impact the trajectory of where you are today? When I was in high school, there was a new church plant in our little town where I grew up in Ripon, Wisconsin, and a woman named Teresa Hacker started volunteering as the children's ministry director. She was a middle-aged woman raising teenagers and college students, and she chose to spend her weekends coordinating kids' ministry. Teresa is one of those people who impacted where I am today. She entrusted me with helping lead the preschool class at our church when I was just a freshman in high school. There was a group of us who would lead skits and songs every week for the kids, and I loved it. I loved seeing the kids learn about Jesus every week. Maybe there was an adult in your life or is currently in your life middle school students, high school students, who is in your life right now who is helping direct your path? Maybe they notice a talent or a skill that you have. They encourage you and they help you along the way. It could be a teacher, a mentor, or a coach, a neighbor, someone at church, someone who has had a voice in your life that has helped direct where you are today. At Calvary, we talk about these adults as a kid's five. We want every kid to have five of these adults on their team who they can talk to about life and faith. And kids, I have a special assignment for you. Were you listening today? You, now, I know you are good at multitasking. I want you to make a list or draw a picture of a few people in your life that you know that you can talk to about what is going on in your life. You might have five or more people or you might have one or two, but think about those people who you know are on your team. The experiences and mentors that we have as kids deeply shape who we become. The experiences of kids during the pandemic have been drastically different than anything we as adults have ever dealt with. We were dealing with them in our own way, but one of my mentors, Tiger McLuhan, says something that I found incredibly helpful. He says, you were never their age in this age you were never their age in this age. While we were all elementary school kids at one point, teenagers, college students, et cetera, we never experienced what they are going through at their age right now. The reality is is that kids, many of them, do not have one much less five adults they can go to. And living in the midst of a pandemic has only magnified not only adult isolation, but also kids as well. One Wednesday night last fall, I asked kids to write down on Post-it notes. Um, It was anonymous. I asked them to write, what do you need from Jesus this week? And they sat in the quietness of the room, we played some music, and they wrote things like, I need to know that I am loved. I need to know that I'm not alone. I need to know that Jesus forgives me. They wrote about the need for help with mental health struggles, depression, anxiety, relationships with friends and family members, and these prayers brought me to my knees. Teenagers here today, I don't think you'll be surprised at all by these statistics. A 2019 US-based survey, think before COVID, found that Gen Z, kids who are currently ages 10 to 25, identify with loneliness more than any other generation, and more than half feel as if the people around them are not really with them, and that no one really knows them well. Half of the population of Generation Z feels this way. Mental health challenges were certainly present before the pandemic started as well, but according to the CDC, anxiety tripled. Anxiety is the most common psychological disorder in the US and it affects nearly one third of teens and adults. That means about seven out of 20 students may suffer from a diagnosable anxiety disorder. Seven out of 20. And depression among young people during the pandemic almost quadrupled. There have been a number of factors that go into these statistics and I am not an expert in them and I don't have time either to explore the factors that go into them, but I share them to remind you, to remind all of us that kids need us. They need us to pay attention and to show up in their lives. Jesus already knew that kids needed adults and that adults, we need the kids and he put it into practice. He demonstrates what it looks like to show up. Jesus shows us that showing up for kids matters. He came to earth, he was God with skin on to show us who God is and to reveal God's heart to us. And this morning, that's what we get to dive into in scripture, so I invite you to turn with me to Mark 10. We're gonna start in verse 13. And it says this, and they, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, that's who they are, imagine all the adults and siblings, were bringing children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he laid hands on them, and he blessed them. The book of Mark is the second of four Gospels in the New Testament, and when you read it, maybe you heard some of this as we read it together, if you like rapid-fire storytelling with minimal details, you will enjoy Mark's style of writing. In his book, he starts almost every sentence with the word, and. And I didn't do the counting, but a commentator noted that 41 sentences in the book of Mark start with the word immediately, and 25 times he says, and again. So I want you to think about that story. And I want you to take a moment to picture a kid that you know who is not related to you. It might be a kid who already knows that you're on their team, or maybe a kid that you wanna get to know better. And so I want you to imagine, as we talk about the story this morning, that that child, that kid, that teenager, that college student is there sitting at the feet of Jesus. I read this and I have this picture in my mind from when I was a little kid of a painting that was hanging in our church of Jesus sitting in this beautiful grassy field with kids on his lap, He was looking lovingly at him with his long, brown, flowing hair. Maybe you've seen pictures like this. And I don't know about you, but I have never seen a picture or a painting of this story that included a few disciples standing nearby with their arm crossed, scolding people for bringing kids to Jesus. Somehow the painting, the the people who paint these always leave that part out. Now we don't know exactly why the disciples were so upset. People who study the Bible for a living suggest all kinds of reasons, from the disciples wanting power and control, maybe they felt like they were being gatekeepers or bouncers essentially for Jesus, and they simply wanted to protect Jesus' privacy or shield him from unnecessary interruptions, from their perspective, of course. After all, Jesus had a busy schedule, and he was constantly surrounded by adults who wanted to hear his teachings. Now, to understand why the disciples were rebuking people for bringing kids to Jesus, we have to understand how differently kids were viewed in Jesus' day. Children were considered insignificant, People were not spending tons of money creating special play spaces and nurseries and all these things and activities for kids. That wasn't the culture. Kids were insignificant, they had no status, they were easily ignored and easily pushed to the side because they were considered weak. They were, after all, completely dependent on the will of others. And whatever the reason, it did not land well with Jesus. In the gospel, Jesus always sees people who have been labeled insignificant as significant. He always sees people who have been labeled insignificant as significant. Whether it was tax collectors, women, people considered untouchable because of illness, and now little kids, Jesus looks at each of them with love and significance and belonging. When Mark writes this, he never softens Jesus' emotions throughout his book. And this is one of the few times, though, that we read that Jesus was indignant. The Cambridge English Dictionary says that indignant means that they're angry because of something that is wrong or not fair. There are other places in the Bible where we see that Jesus gets angry about something that is wrong or not fair, Perhaps the most memorable one is when Jesus flipped over tables in the temple courts, angry that people had moved their focus away from prayer and worship in the temple. And here in the story we read today, Jesus gets angry because it is wrong that the disciples are turning away families. While the disciples might have thought that they were protecting Jesus from unnecessary interruptions, Jesus quickly shows them that children are not an interruption. In fact, it is quite the opposite. Instead of an interruption, Jesus views it as an invitation, an invitation to reveal more of who he is and why he has come. Jesus takes the children into his arms and he blesses them. He takes the crying babies with stinky diapers, the sticky fingers, the three-nagers, you know, those kids who act like teenagers at age three, takes the kids with sickness and struggles and sweet smiles and humble hearts, and he takes them with all of their quirks and their lack of understanding of social norms, and he says to the adults, be like these little kids. They are a part of my family and they get something about the kingdom of God that is hard for grown-ups to understand, so I need you to pay attention. There are three things that stand out as we look at what this story reveals to us about who God is and who we are. And the first is that Jesus shows us that kids teach us about the kingdom. What is Jesus talking about when he says the kingdom of God? If you Google this, you will get a lot of lengthy and some very helpful articles. There are books and books that have been written about what Jesus meant when he was talking about the kingdom. So briefly, I just want to tell you that one pastor put it this way. Jeremy Treat says, the kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. Briefly, God is the king, and he is establishing his kingdom through us and over his creation. When Jesus came, he talked a lot about the kingdom, and the people he was talking to were excited because they wanted an earthly king who would rule over them, but that's not what Jesus came to offer. Jesus was talking about a different kind of kingdom, one where you needed to be like a child to enter with an open and willing heart. Living in God's kingdom has two parts to it. It's both our identity, as we trust Jesus, we are citizens of his kingdom, and it's part of our purpose. We are to make Jesus known, to invite more people to be a part of his reign, and to live out the set of ethics that Jesus spoke about, to bring justice, hope, and peace to a world in need. I wanna highlight three ways that, Jesus, that kids teach us about what it means to enter the kingdom of God and why Jesus points to kids as models for kingdom life. The first is this, kids know what it's like to not be in control, don't they? They trust their caregiver to provide for their needs. As adults, we often try to hold on to control of our lives, but as citizens of the kingdom, God is our king, and we have to submit to him. We have to trust him to provide for our needs. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this very explicitly, starting in verse 25. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And then in verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom And his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Think about what little control kids have over their own lives. They might fight it at times, but they are living primarily with the decisions that adults in their lives have made for them. We might give kids choices to help give them a sense of control, but generally they have very little say. As disciples of Jesus, we understand that God is God and we are not. And I don't know about you, but I wrestle with trying to hold on to control instead of trusting that God knows what is best, that he is going to provide for my needs. And this is so much easier said than done. Jesus knew that, and he points us to kids to help us learn what it means to submit to his reign in our lives. The second thing that kids teach us about the kingdom is that kids are more open to receiving gifts. You have seen this in action if you have ever been to a kid's birthday party. And in contrast, as adults, we often want to earn what we get. We don't think that there's really anything as a free lunch. And it's hard for us to swallow the fact that we can't do anything to earn God's love or salvation, that it's something that we simply receive. Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. To enter the kingdom, we must die to ourselves, our self-autonomy and our self-security, and submit to God's control over our lives, recognizing that we can't earn our way into the kingdom, but it is a gift. And all the while, we must remain curious as we continue to grow in our understanding of who God is. The third thing that kids teach us about the kingdom is that kids are curious. As adults, I think that we've so often forgotten the art of asking questions— When we think we know all we need to know, we stop asking questions and we stop learning what it means to be citizens of the kingdom. While I thought that going into youth ministry would be about teaching kids about Jesus, the kids have taught me so much more about who he is and what it means to rely on him. Kids ask things like, who made God? Do animals go to heaven? Why aren't there dinosaurs in the Bible? What happens to people who never hear about Jesus? Their curiosity and the list of questions goes on and on. If you want to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus, spend time with children. Spend time really listening and showing up in their lives and look at the Bible with them to find out what does God say about their questions. So Jesus shows us throughout this story that showing up for kids matters. And the story, I think, too, that Jesus shows us the importance of praying for kids. Our son, Luke, at about one and a half, learned that we pray before meals. And now he often wants to pray even when we are not eating real food. He was playing with this plastic burrito from a game that we have the other day. And he sat down in the middle of the floor and he put his hands together and he looked at me and said, pray. And so there we sat and we said, Jesus, thank you for burritos. And then we ate our pretend plastic burritos. I love the picture of Jesus at the end of our text today, taking the children into his arms and praying over them. Mark's lack of details don't tell us exactly why people are bringing kids to Jesus, but we do know a few things about the culture of the day. For Jews, it was common to bring children to people who were considered great men to give a blessing to their kids. I read another source that said that infant mortality was really high. And so it could have been that people were bringing kids to Jesus to ask him to protect them from evil. Now, while we don't know all of the circumstances surrounding the scene, it is evident that praying for kids matters. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, we have exactly the same access to the throne of God. We have access to the hand of Jesus blessing our children as we bring them to his feet— So what if instead of worrying about our kids or complaining about the youth today or feeling hopeless about the mental health statistics or education system or whatever it is that we lose sleep over, what if we prayed instead? If the faith of the next generation is worth everything and we aren't praying for the next generation, then what are we spending our time doing? I don't submit this to you as a simple fix for the struggles that you might be facing with your kids. I don't know about you, but prayer is hard. It's hard because there are times when I don't see God answering the prayers the way that I want them to be answered. And I don't understand God's timing and I don't understand what's happening. Maybe today your kids are grown and they aren't following Jesus. God hears your prayers Maybe you're struggling, you're longing for kids of your own, you're struggling with infertility or miscarriage. God hears your prayers. Maybe you wanted to have kids, but you're single and it doesn't seem like it's in the cards for you. God hears your prayers. Maybe you find yourself in a place this morning saying, if Jesus cares so much about kids, then why is there so much heartache and so many unanswered prayers? And I don't, I don't know. What I know is that when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. And so the kingdom is now, but it is also not yet. Because we are in this in-between time when we are waiting for Jesus to come back. And so we live in the in-between when things are not yet as God intended. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what do we do in this in-between? What do we do in the waiting? I encourage you, keep praying. Pray and be present with the kids that God has placed in the community, in the neighborhood, wherever you are, right where he has you. We can make a difference right where we are. I know that it might not even seem like we're making a difference. It might not seem like our prayers are making a difference, but they do. After uh, youth on Wednesday nights, Calvary students from Golden Valley will often all go to Culver's and hang out with adult leaders. And I was sitting there one night and over butter burgers and Cheese Curds, one of the students looked at their leader and said, you taught me how to pray. See, being present in kids' lives matters. Praying for kids' lives matters. And Jesus shows us that being present, simply showing up for kids, is the, one of the most important things we can do. I want to close by just offering a few ways that we can be present in the lives of kids. Praying is foundational, and here are some other ways. First, we can show up consistently. Everyone needs someone who knows their name and knows what is going on in their life. Showing up in a kid's life is not just a one-time commitment, it's ongoing. The small group leaders here at Calvary, here in Golden Valley and Minnetonka do an incredible job of consistently showing up for kids. Some have walked with the same group of kids from the time they were in elementary school through high school graduation and beyond. Secondly, we can show up mentally. When you show up for kids, put your phone aside, prepare your heart and mind to set the distractions of the day aside and listen. Really listen to what they're talking about. Next, show up randomly. Surprise them. Show up for kids with text messages, birthday cards, show up at their baseball game or their ballet recital. You can never underestimate the power of showing up for kids randomly. And fourth, we can show up financially. There are so many organizations, organizations like Feed My Starving Children, Every Meal, and the list goes on and on, Hope Academy, all these places who are working to make wrong things right bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, especially when it comes to things like injustice, hunger, and poverty in kids' lives. I want you to pray about the ways that God might want you to show up for kids with your finances. So show up consistently, show up mentally, show up randomly, and show up financially. And these ways of showing up will contribute to the kind of community that will grow and encourage authentic faith. Kids will begin to trust you when you show up like this. And God's kingdom will come to earth as we work together towards establishing justice, hope, and peace in the lives of kids. At the beginning, I asked you to think of a kid in your life whom you pictured sitting at Jesus' feet. I believe that showing up is the way that we bring kids to Jesus. And is there anything more important that we could spend our lives doing? Is there anything that would have more eternal impact? You never know the impact that doing these things is going to have. And you might never know, or someday you might know When we were on vacation this summer, we were hanging out at a beach near my hometown and we're walking towards the beach and I said to my mom, I think that's Teresa Hacker. I had not seen Teresa, the children's ministry director, in over 15 years, probably since I was home for a break from college. But I had the opportunity to tell her that I was still doing ministry with kids. So often we won't see the ways that showing up in the lives of kids matters, but we know that it matters nonetheless. I was at a grad party this summer and a mom was telling me that her son was going through some rough stuff. They were going through some stuff as a family and she was concerned about him and she looked at him one day and said, do you have people you can talk to? about what's going on. And his reply was so simple but significant. He said, yeah, mom, I've got my five. You see, this isn't just something that we talk about because we think it sounds good on paper. It matters. Jesus shows us that showing up for kids matters. So how are you going to show up in the life of a kid? What is Jesus' invitation to you today? Are you looking for opportunities? You don't need to look any further. We have lots of them at Calvary. Connect with any staff member or Sue or Caitlin or myself. We would love to talk to you about how to be present in the lives of kids. It doesn't just stay here, right? Expand into our neighborhoods and our communities. Begin praying about and dreaming about what it would look like to show up for kids. And if you already are doing that, think about ways that you can expand your impact. Maybe you show up more consistently or more randomly, or you need to show up more mentally when you're with kids. challenge you, don't let what Jesus taught us today stay here. Take it with you. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful that you have come, that you have brought the kingdom, and that we are invited to participate in what you are doing. I pray that you would reveal to us those kids that we are being called to invest in. Whether it's with our time, our finances, however it is that you are asking us I pray that we would pay attention and that we would step into what you are doing. I thank you for this time to be together this morning. We pray all this in your name. Amen.